This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 170, Yoga for Depression. If you're struggling with depression or even the occasional depressive mood, today's episode is for you. My guest approaches depression holistically by including yoga in her toolbox, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to chat with her. We sat down to talk about depression in general and how you can use the practice to support yourself in hard times. For today's episode, I sat down with Chris McDonald. Chris is a holistic licensed therapist and owns a group online practice called Path to Hope Counseling. She's a 200-hour IYT and is certified in brain spotting. She offers gentle yoga to clients in session, workshops, and private yoga sessions. She specializes in the treatment of anxiety, depression, trauma, and grief in young adults. Chris is the author of the book, Self-Care for the Counselor, a Holistic Guide for Helping Professionals, and she's also the host of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. Her favorite holistic daily routine for herself include yoga and meditation. If this episode helps you in any way, share it and help someone else on their journey. Leave a review on iTunes for them to find the episode or the podcast in general, or share your takeaways on social media. I really love to read your takeaways on the episode, so as you take a screenshot of the episode and share something you've learned on Instagram, make sure to tag at on and off your mat podcast so I can see it and I can reshare it. All right, let's get to today's episode with Chris. Hi, Chris. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to be here. Can we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey, just for listeners that don't know you yet? Sure. I'm actually a licensed mental health therapist and I'm going to say slash yoga teacher. So I got my 200 hours in what's called subtle yoga, which is geared towards mental health professionals. So what the training is, is more about how we can use it in sessions with clients to help with emotional regulation. So it's yoga, but it's a little bit different kind of yoga. It's more about nervous system yoga, we call it. The best yes. kind. It is. It is the best. Yeah. So I'm also a podcaster. So I have a podcast called the Holistic Counseling Podcast in that I help therapists to learn different holistic modalities to deepen their practice and build their practice with confidence and how to use like a lot of people are interested in yoga. Actually, a lot of mental health therapists want to integrate more. So that's a big need out there, which I find very exciting. Mm -hmm. And I'm so happy that this is happening. There's so much more holistic modalities being integrated with therapy and more providers out there than I think there's ever been for a lot of these modalities that like energy healing, you hear more about that now and mindfulness. So it's a cool time to be in. I agree. I agree. So today we said we would talk about yoga, particularly for depression. Can we start by just talking about the difference between like being in a depressive state versus depression? Sure. So depression I work with a lot of, by the way, young adults with a depression too. It can be a difficult time right now, especially for those just starting out and have a lot of transitions. I see a lot of people just transitioning from college to work and getting into quote unquote adulting mm -hmm. is difficult for many, but especially if depression is there and, you know, many are trying to find their purpose and meaning in life. And I don't know about listeners, but when you're there and you're like, what is the point of all this adulting, <laughs> trying to figure this yeah. out? And no matter your age, right, it can bring up a lot of emotion. And let's face it, it's been a stressful few years with the pandemic. And mm -hmm. there has just been so much negativity in the world. And how do you keep it together with all that's been going on? So that can lead to there's been more chronic depression 
since the pandemic. I think there was some before, but I think that kind of added to it. And a lot of people are, yeah, a lot of people struggling to find meaning in their life. And where do we go from here? And what does this mean for the future? And there's been a lot of difficulty with people with different beliefs and political beliefs and arguing. And that happens in families. And I've had talked to a lot of clients who struggle with having to cut family members off and Yeah, there's just a lot of stress and depression out there. But you mentioned depression state. So sometimes I think that what you mean by that, too, maybe that's more of the temporary state that we all have Mm -hmm. some depression at times. And it doesn't mean that you have major depression. Major depression is a diagnosis where it's that consistent depressive state that goes longer term over two weeks. And it's really hard to get out of that mood and helplessness, hopelessness, feelings, Low motivation is a big sign. I see that as the number one sign in people that I work with. Loss of pleasure in activities. But the state, I think we all get into these states. And just just to normalize that for listeners that, you know, if you're feeling depressed, sometimes it's okay. You know, but there are things you can do to kind of lift your mood. I think that's the good news. And to find some hope. And there is hope. That's the message, too. I want to let people know that even when things feel really dark, there's always hope. There's always that light at the end of the tunnel we can find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good thing to remember, because when we're in it, it's hard to see it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we forget about it. Yeah, absolutely. As far as I know, women are more likely to get depression than men. So why is that? I wonder if it's a lot of times that there's more expectations for women to perform many roles like super moms and, you know, I have to be career and I have to be a mom and take care of everything and cook and clean and not to put down men, but there are men still that don't do as much around the house. Just going to mm-hmm. call that. So I think that's that pressure, right? And and I see a lot of people with perfectionistic tendencies. So when the, you're perfectionist, you want everything just right, man. It's hard you're holding all them all day long. <laughs> ah, holding all them balls up in the air. And of course, you got to eat right, exercise, drink enough water, do all these wonderful habits. But how do we do it? And I think that can lead to depression too. Feeling like we're not holding everything up and not being quote unquote perfect, right? Yeah, because it makes it mean something about who we are. Like we are not perfect. We are not good enough. We are not not X, Y, Z, you know, fill in the blank. Yep. Those underlying beliefs, I think that, and sometimes they're instilled from childhood that it can be really difficult, which also can lead to depression if we internalize those not good enough beliefs or not worthy. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit earlier about integration and approaching this in the holistic kind of way. So if we think about depression and looking at it from a holistic perspective, what's the approach? Where do we start? Good question. (laughs) Yes. And that's the hard part, right? Where do we start? Mm -hmm. Because there's so much to depression is multi-layer. Yeah. And the first steps are always the most difficult, right? It is. Once we have a little momentum and we're starting to see like even a tiny bit of improvement, it's easier to take action. But in the beginning, it could be hard. Yeah. And it's, and it can feel really heavy. It's like a heavy weight when we're feeling in that state. And the first step is, and I tell this to clients too, is to think of small goals. What can I do today? That would be a small goal because mm-hmm. depression is on a spectrum. So we have like from mild depression on one end to more severe where we can't get out of bed no matter what we do and really need medical intervention and therapy as well as therapy. 
But if we try to think of what can I do today, and we call this behavior activation too. So thinking about what is something either I can accomplish, an accomplishment thing like completing a chore, like let me just finish the dishes. That could be one thing. Or a friend, right? So to reach out to someone. So the social context, we talk about that in therapy too with behavior activation. Having connections with other people is so important. And I have a lot of people that will get up from bed, but then they go back to bed. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. a goal can be to not go back to bed. (laughs) Because if we sleep too much, that's causing more depression. So really looking at sleep habits too is another thing that you can work on because a lot of people feel like, I don't even want to get going. I just want to sleep. And they sleep, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, which isn't helping. So making sure to get out of bed, but making it small, small step at a time. Yeah, for sure. When we think about yoga within that holistic frame, is there any evidence to support that yoga is helpful? Where does that fit in? Oh, for sure. There's so much research (laughs) on yoga. (laughs) You probably know this for depression too, but for mental health, it's amazing. So it does increase emotional regulation and it helps with body awareness, that interoception, just kind of feeling those bodily sensations and self-soothing it can provide to help with comforting ourselves and also increasing the dopamine, those chemicals, neurochemicals in our brain and serotonin, which a lot of people go on medication for. Mm -hmm. But using yoga as a complementary to medical is so beneficial into therapy because we do get those same benefits that we could get from medication. Movement is one of the most powerful things you can do for depression. And Mm -hmm. yoga can be a part of that. But thinking about cortisol too, so it decreases your stress hormones, increases resilience, so many good benefits. So many, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And when we look at it from the nervous system perspective, you were talking a bit earlier that you do work with that. The way you were describing that state, it's very that we've talked a lot about nervous system on this podcast already. So people are aware of the terms. Okay. We're we're really into like this collapsed state, right? We're, yes. we're not in the stress shut response down. anymore. We're in the shutdown, we're in the collapse, we're in the playing dead. We are in our dorsal response. So what kind of practices do we need to keep in mind? Like keeping in mind that we're in dorsal, what kind of practices do we start to do to start to activate ourselves before we like go to a full hour power yoga class. Like, oh no, that's not, we're not there. <laughs> that's not you know? doable. Like, that's, no, that's not doable. So yeah. knowing what we know about the nervous system, sure. how do we start the movement? How do we start to create a practice to use the tools of yoga? What do we need to know? So we need to meet the mood first. Like you said, we cannot go to power yoga. <laughs> and of course, that's not going to motivate you to get out, jump no. out of bed and go. No, no. So we have to meet the mood where you are. And and maybe that's just breath work. And that's okay just to start there. Let's say somebody's having trouble getting out of bed. Maybe for them just sitting up and doing some breath work and doing a ratio, let me breathe in for a count of four and exhale for four, and then increase that to exhale to five and then six, and just see how that settles in the body. And that's it for the day. Mm -hmm. And then maybe tomorrow add to that practice. And then if you're able to get out of bed and what they found with polyvagal theory, which it sounds like what you're talking about, is to actually increase with sympathetic activation. So Mm -hmm. to do some shaking, like shaking your arms, shaking your legs, do some bouncing, 
swinging your arms and just moving around can really help to get you back into that fight or flight state. So then you'll be more responsive for the calmer things, really that ventral vagal. So we want to get to the calmer place so that we can do some of these poses that are going to really calm our nervous system. But yeah, we can't just start with doing <laughs> high, high, high energy. I went on yoga. purpose and chose something that was like way out there, but I Extreme. think sometimes people don't <laughs> yeah. know. Like they oh, don't no, know. They sure. know one thing. Yeah. Like yoga looks like one thing and they're like, well, I'm looking at this. It doesn't feel or like headstand this would be or... helpful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the important piece or one of the important piece that you mentioned is to meet yourself where you are, to meet your mood. And if you remember that, and then you look through the tools of yoga, doing something that resembles that mood first is really, I think, an important reminder because I think we tend to try to fix, to change, to get out. And we think I have to create something different. And if I meet that energy, I'm going to add on. So it, it's sometimes it's counterintuitive for people. It so is. I like that you said that. So we can remember first meet that mood. First, first. come into like, yes. for me, it represents like so much like care for yourself and yeah. love to be like, I mm-hmm. see you. I see what you're experiencing. Compassion. I can come in. Yes. Yeah. I can come and match mm-hmm. it. And then, as you say, maybe later we add some shakes and bounce some a bit more activation, but taking our time to not forcing ourselves into the activation right away. Yeah, because I could see how that could backfire if people do try that. It's just not going to work. And and I'm glad you mentioned that. That's the other piece too, is accepting the emotion. That's the hardest thing that I find with clients is that I see is just, it's okay to be here. Depression. Mm -hmm. I see you. I'm here with you. I'm going to sit with you to sit with emotion because most people try to push things down, push them down, push them down. I don't want to deal with that. And guess what? It's going to come back and it's going to come back sometimes in physical issues and it's going to be sometimes even panic attacks. So making sure that if you can start with acceptance and that loving kindness too, let me just sit here with a gentleness and think about how would you talk to a friend, right? That was going through to you wouldn't be like, why am I like this and argue and beat yourself up. You would be gentle and just want to send them that loving kindness. I'm giving a second for people to hear it before I, <laughs> I understand. It's good to like, like take it in, yeah. take it in for a second before I ask my next question. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I'm with you. It's hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about movement and the power of movement, and you mentioned breath. When we look at the whole umbrella of yoga, do you recommend that people start with the asana practice, even if it's the tiniest thing, or that they start with pranayama, breath, meditation? There's so many things. Is there one that is easier to begin with or that has a bigger impact like with less effort i have an idea but i want to see what you say it can be either you know there's no one size fits all i think for this Mm -hmm. and you can experiment so maybe breath's too hard to start with because i know a lot of times asana practice it helps to get us to the breath to the pranayama can Mm -hmm. set it up for that or meditation but sometimes even doing joint rotations in bed so let's say you're really struggling if you're laying down maybe do some wrist rotations just gentle movement slow movement you know, and then doing some arm movement just to kind of move where you are. And then if you can sit up and then maybe just do some shoulder rolls. 
So sometimes even the smallest movement can at least get things going for you. And I don't think there's an exact answer for that. I don't know how you feel <laughs> if there's either or. No, I think it, it depends for people. It um, does. I think mm-hmm. the interesting thing for me is that the breath connects for me personally, the breath connects to my mood more directly than the physical body. And so sometimes that could be something interesting to know that you might not have to move if moving feels too much, like it's too difficult Mm -hmm. to get up to just play with the ratio of your breath, even if you're laying in bed, watching TV, like just experience just a little tiny awareness and presence with this present moment of I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out without having to be active, it feels like a more passive way to start. So a more meeting your collapse kind of energy in that sense. Yes. Yeah. I see that too. Mm -hmm. The yoga texts, they describe depression as dukkha or obstructed spaces. And so is there something that you consider you think about in the sense of using yoga to allow to clear the mental obstructions or the physical obstruction. Like I kind of saw that when you were talking about the wrist roll or there's like, it's almost Mm -hmm. like breaking down what feels stuck, you know, and you start Mm -hmm. with your joint and kind of, so that brought that idea to me. Yeah. How do we clear the mental, the physical, or do we focus on that? Where, when, what do you think? Yeah. I teach a lot of contralateral movements, So alternating like left arm, right leg, you could do that while sitting. You don't have to even stand up or left Mm -hmm. hand, right foot, and then alternating just nice and slow with breath. Inhale, you can flex your hand, flex your left hand, right foot. I have to think. (laughs) And then alternating left foot, right wrist, and just going back and forth and then doing both at the same time. And if using breath is too much, then just doing the movement. And what this does with the nervous system, this helps with the parasympathetic nervous system and really clear out a lot of things as you're doing this. It helps the brain to integrate better, both mm-hmm. sides of the brain to talk to each other. And I've seen the, the most amazing things with clients when I teach this, and it's just so subtle. That's the beautiful thing. It's subtle, but powerful. Mm-hmm. A lot of this work is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of this is experimenting because everybody's different. And some of what I'm talking about may not work for you, Mm -hmm. but just try. If this doesn't work, let me try something else. So it's important not to go to that black and white thinking that, oh, this doesn't work. Nothing will work for me. Or it has to be a certain way because she said this or I've read that. Exactly. But maybe asking yourself the question, like, where do I feel obstructed, quote unquote, stuck? Is it like, am I stuck? Like, am I repeating the same thing on repeat in my head, this loop? Am I feeling like stuck in my body? Like that hopelessness, that helplessness, that heaviness. And what's the one thing I could do to feel just a bit less stuck in this? Like to clear that space, whatever space that is. Is that helpful to like have these questions and that conversation with yourself? Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that too, because I like to use intuition and teach people how to use their intuition. And I think this is goes perfectly with yoga to mm-hmm. ask your body, what does it need? And just see if your body wants to move into that pose or movement. I get visuals. I will ask that question and I'll see a visual of something I want to do, like a chest stretch, or maybe mm-hmm. I need to do child's pose. And I'll just see that Sometimes my body will just move because I use yoga every single day. So that's part of my daily practice. And and once your body is used to that too, your body knows how to heal. 
And your brain knows how to heal you and wants to heal you and get back to that. (laughs) Yes. Go back to that homeostasis. Yes. So really tap into that. But you got to listen and be silent. That's hard. That is hard. So what do you say to people that like, I kind of hear, I kind of know what I should do, but I don't want to. Or like, Mm. you know, I've said that myself in the past. Like, I know I should do this. I would feel better, but I really don't feel like it right now. So how do we kind of pass that hurdle of like, doing what's right for us, what's good for us, even if it's not pleasant in this second of like, it would be more pleasant to stay in bed and hide under the covers. Of course, do the opposite Mm -hmm. of what that is, right? So if you're having that, oh, I just want to stay in bed, I don't want to get up, then just get up. And it is just that behavior activity, just moving the opposite of how you feel and do it anyways. As Nike Mm -hmm. says, just do it. Because we get too much thought into it. Well, if I just stay here and then I got to face this and I got to do this. And and you're what you're doing is avoiding. So we want to push against that and move forward. And sometimes I like to think about how will I feel after I move and get up. Mm-hmm. Once I do some of my yoga, and I know because I do the practice daily, if you're not used to it, you may not have that expectation. But just trying to remember when was the last time that I did some yoga that I felt really good after. And let that be your motivation. Yeah, because those behaviors are very low risk. Like the chances of you feeling worst after doing a little practice, they're very slim. Yes. So it's a good reminder. Be like, how am I going to feel after? Like, is this what I actually want? Does it align with what I would prefer in the grand scheme of things? Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you practice every day. And I think it's something we hear a lot in the yoga world, like regular practice, discipline. But if we're in a place where we're just starting and like it's hard already, I know that any amount is good. But how do we get out of that mentality of perfection of like, I need to do it every day. Otherwise, it's not worth it. How much do we need to make a change? We have to move to I want to do this. Right. Okay, if we say step. should, mm-hmm. if we say should, how do you feel? If you say should, yeah, how does it's not good. Feel inside. No, it doesn't feel good. It feels like, ugh. So I should exercise. I should eat right. It just feels like adding more burden onto ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. we shift our thinking to this is something I want to do, that this is important to me, this aligns with my values, and there's a reason for it. Because when I first started with meditation, too, I felt like, oh, my God, this is something else I have to add to my to-do list. Mm -hmm. How am I going to have time for this? Good Lord, I can barely get myself going in the morning. But once I took a mindful yoga class and the teacher, I told him that and he goes, this is a gift to yourself. And I always remember that this is a gift for you. And to reframe that as not something more to add to your to-do list. So how can you incorporate that gift for you? Yeah. I think that's an important reframe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And start small in the moment. Instead of putting an expectation on what you should, quote unquote, do, staying in the moment of like, what do I need now? And just answering those needs as they arise. And every day will be different. And over time, you will build to really wanting to practice because you start to see the benefits. And that's it. And I think that's the motivation, right? Once you start to see the benefits and how you feel and and just be creative with what you do when you do it. You know, if you're able to do it sometimes during the workday, let me just take a break and maybe I'll do just a little bit of breath work for five minutes. 
Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be a morning routine. I know not everybody's good in the morning. For sure. That's why we say it depends, right? Like everybody yeah. <laughs> has different needs and desires. But you gave an example of that hand and foot kind of coordination, yeah. opposite body. Can you give a few more other sure. examples of yoga techniques that you use with clients or that you teach other therapists that people could start to play with right now? I like to use some Qigong mixed with yoga. Mm -hmm. So part of that is tapping and it's called the thymus thump. So it's putting a flat hand like this. I don't know how to describe this, but you can use it like this or you can use two fingers onto your breastbone and just do some light tapping. So we're not doing it real hard. This mm -hmm. is really good in the morning too to kind of get yourself going and just seeing how that feels and sits in your nervous system. This is all about waking things up. You can also take two fingers and tap under the collarbone and tapping there. That's how I usually start with some energizing practices, doing some of the tapping and then using some chest openers, either seated or standing. That really helps to open up energy. And I think you said, how do you get rid of some of the blocks too, right? So sometimes that can help if you're feeling it in your chest mm -hmm. to do some simple chest openers or standing, if that helps. Um, the lateral bending, that helps a lot to do some side stretches just to kind of open things up. And I know when I teach that to clients, they really feel a lot more energized after that. Is it because we create space for the breath to be a bit more full, a bit more like as we kind of opening the whole rib cage? Is that what's happening? Yeah, that can be part of it. I don't know all the science behind <laughs> it, but, but I just know when I do it too, it really just boosts the mood and helps you feel more awake. But when I know I mentioned the tapping, but then doing some shaking or just some gentle movements to get things going, even some joint rotations before you start doing some poses and as part of your routine. And I like to do some hip circles. I think that can open things up a little bit too. Mm -hmm. I love this. So if we're a yoga teacher, we're not a therapist, yes. and a student comes to us and says or shares about what they're going through, their depression, how can we support them while staying in our scope of practice as a yoga teacher? So I know you're not a therapist. You're a yoga teacher, which is great. But I think just that you can't provide therapy, of course, but just knowing that yoga is so helpful for and think about what are some of these energizing practices and letting them know that they can meet the mood wherever they are. And some days may be more difficult than others, but finding what are the small things they can do on the more difficult days and breaking that down. And one simple thing you can do with yoga too is looking up. Up is more energizing. Your eye position makes a big difference. If you look down, that's a little more grounding. Simple thing. But mm -hmm. try it and do that with poses too. Looking up is more energizing. It's all green pace. Yeah, Another those are all practice. little things that as a yoga teacher, you can very well yeah. share. And that's within your scope of like within the practice, sure. within the yoga classes, mm -hmm. you can make these little modifications to create a little bit more of uplifting energy or you can focus on your breath this way. Or yeah, you're right about the breath too. So three-part breath can be energizing. That's another breath practice that can increase some energy. Some people find it grounding, can be both, but just to mm -hmm. let them know that there are some breath practices that they can do too. Yeah, that's great. Are there any misconceptions about using yoga for depression that you would like to address before we wrap this up? Is there anything that people think is not true or anything like that? I think that just being aware that it's not like a cure-all, of course. Mm -hmm. This is an integrative 
treatment that can be used as part with therapy, with medication, whatever you need for yourself. So again, anybody that's listening, don't go off your medication and just think you're going to just do yoga. So just be careful with that. Just know that this is something else that is another tool for you to help manage symptoms and and just to be realistic. And you're not going to do this one time and be like, oh, I'm good now. This is yeah. something that for your nervous system that you got to do as a regular practice. And but then that can change, right? So maybe you can lift your mood up more and then you can do more grounding practices or, or different types of yoga, more energizing yoga that maybe the power yoga could be available at another time. Maybe a slow but, you know, flow. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to push it. Yeah. But I mean, I'm telling you, I have a client that I'm seeing now that she's been a long term client. But I was really worried about her with her depression was so low and so difficult. But once we started to get things back on track with doing some movement, I do some just really short flows in session and some breath work. I have a YouTube channel that I use for clients too and therapists. I have some of these slow (laughs) practices Mm. on there. But once she started to do that daily, I can't even get to tell you how much her depression improves so much and she's so much more regulated. She's not 100%. Nothing is. It takes time, but it's a totally different person from two months ago. It's amazing because she had come back to me after a long break. And yeah, within just a few weeks, we can see some significant difference. Yeah, absolutely. And research shows all it takes is doing a 20 minute practice like three times a week with yoga. I mean, you can already see some changes. I think just be cautious that it's not going to be like lightning bolt. I'm cured. I'm good. It's subtle work. Mm-hmm. It is subtle work. So just yeah. be realistic with your expectations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to add before we finish? Like if there's one takeaway from today's episode yeah. or one thing I haven't maybe asked that you think would be important to talk about before we finish. I know I talked about how I do a daily practice, but just know it's taken me years to get here. I used to do it once in a while. And if you want to do a daily practice, but you know, you're having difficulty, Maybe just start three times a week. It's okay. And when I say daily, I'm not saying 90-minute class. I'm doing sometimes 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. sometimes five minutes at the most. And let's say that you only have time for one pose. Do that one pose. So break it down, but just be careful with your self-talk. Don't beat yourself up if you're not there yet. Take your time. And again, going back to those self-compassion practices and be gentle with yourself as you start doing yoga more often. Love that. I'll put all your info in the show notes, but in the meantime, and we'll put that YouTube channel too. In the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you if they want to ask more questions or they're looking for more support or anything like that? So my podcast is Holistic Counseling Podcast, and that's www.holisticcounselingpodcast.com. You can find a lot of my episodes there. I also have a book too, which is called Self-Care for the Counselor, but it's for all healthcare professionals that are looking to add more self-care, and that's available on Amazon as well so all right thank you so much for your time today that was thank you for having covered me. a lot of ground and yes so much time yeah it's amazing it was a pleasure chatting with you yes it's great to be here thank you so much for joining us today if you haven't already done so leave a review for this episode or the podcast in general on itunes if this episode has helped you in any way you can pass it along and help someone else find it by leaving your review plus when you leave your review to say thank you i will give you access to our premium membership for free for a full month so you can try it out send me a screenshot of your review and we'll get you all set up 
Find the show notes for this episode at ericabelanger.com slash 170. And before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And this includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening. See you next Monday.